God bless, and may the peace of the Lord be with you. Today we are going to look at what Jesus answered when he was asked what the greatest commandment in the law is. This account is found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. When Jesus answered this question, he actually explained what the first and second greatest commandments are, but we will initially only be discussing the first, which is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Considering that this is the answer Jesus gave when asked what the greatest commandment is, it is of importance to understand how we can obey this command if we desire to live a life that honors the Lord. How can we live a life in which we love God with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our minds? Today I would like to consider two other accounts we find in the scriptures to provide us with additional information of how we can obey this command. The first account is found in Mark chapter 10 verses 17 to 27. It says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear, bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. In this account, we see another man asking Jesus a question. This man wanted to know what he can do to obtain eternal life. Jesus responded with some of the commandments that the man should obey. But upon hearing Jesus' answer to his question, the man responded that apparently he had kept all those commands from his youth. So he was basically saying, I have those boxes checked off. What's next? So then Jesus responds with the answer that the man needed. But it was not the answer that the man wanted. Jesus tells the man what he is lacking. He tells the man to sell all that he possessed and give it to the poor. And then to follow him. Upon hearing this, the man went away grieving because he owned much. The man wanted to know what he needed to do to obtain eternal life and came to Jesus for the answer. When Jesus gave him the answer, he walked away grieving. 
We can see from the man's reaction that the answer he sought proved to be a difficult one for him to accept, and it appeared to be one that he would not obey. What was the problem here? Jesus' response should not be considered a requirement of poverty to obtain eternal life, nor does it damn everyone with possessions or wealth. Jesus' response exposed the man's heart. Although the man claimed to live a life that honored the Lord, the man's claim externally may have been true, but proved to be false internally. The man's possessions proved to be far more valuable to him than the Lord, as he was reluctant to give it up to follow the Lord. We see from the man's response what he actually cherished the most in his life, and that the thought of having to part with it to follow the Lord brought him grief. As we consider how to live a life in which we love the Lord, God, with all our heart, soul, and mind, let us reflect if there's anything in our lives that we may have allowed to take the place of God. Is there anything that we have elevated to the most important place in our lives, even over God? And to be sure uh, that I'm clear, this is not a call to absolute denial of possessions, wealth, or even relationships out of fear that it may become too valuable to a person. There are biblical examples of very wealthy individuals with many possessions that were considered righteous, and those things were of blessing to them and also to others. And that can be possible for an individual today as well. The same with relationships. We should not be fearful of loving or cherishing others as we see biblical examples of how fruitful this can be in our lives and in the lives of others. What we have to make sure is that we do not fall in the same era of this man who believed that his external acts could actually compensate for an internal refusal, refusal of submission to God. Just saying you love God does not make it true. Another passage I would like to consider is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 15. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham Isaac and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, up, dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. You shall not follow other gods, any of the gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God 
in the midst of you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord, your God, will be kindled against you, and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. We see here, or rather, we see where Jesus quoted from when he answered the man as to what the greatest commandment is. It is here in verse 4. These words were spoken to Israel as they were on the verge of entering the promised land. They had been wandering the wilderness for about 40 years, and soon they were going to finally have the opportunity to settle in a very fruitful land. A land that was intended to be a great blessing for them, yet a warning was also issued here. In verse 12, we see that they are warned that as they enjoyed all the great things the land had to offer, make sure you do not forget the Lord. Do not forget the Lord that brought you out of slavery into this fruitful land. If they did allow this to happen, if they allowed the things that should have been of blessing distract them from the Lord, it would be a costly mistake. This grave mistake will lead to their destruction, and unfortunately, this was a sin that they allowed to happen. What we can learn from this is how easy it can be to allow ourselves to become so absorbed in the world that we forget the Lord. It is very unlikely we will entirely forget the Lord as in a form of amnesia, but in the sense of placing God in such little importance that our decisions no longer revolve around God. The question then becomes, what do the decisions in our lives revolve around? What are our actions and expectations based upon? We can fall into the same era of becoming so absorbed in the world that God no longer has a place in our lives. And that may not be something we profess with our lips, but it can be proven by our actions. This happens when God is no longer the center of your life. As we can see from these two examples, it can be very easy to unintentionally be failing God in this commandment of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind. We should regularly conduct a self-analysis to ensure that we have not allowed anything to take the place of God in our hearts and ensure that we have not forgotten about the Lord. Please check back next week as we will consider additional scriptures that will help us obey this commandment. Until then, God bless you, and may the Lord help us love him with all our hearts, all our souls, and all our minds.